Welcome to the Brunton Bugle, podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Car United Football Club. From Jack Ashurst to Ben Annick and Nigel Saddington to Trevor Swinburne, we've got it covered. This is episode 23 and today we're going to be looking back at the midweek defeat against Tranmere Rovers, giving you a preview of the second round FA Cup tie against Doncaster Rovers this weekend, rounding up the news from Brunton Park and looking at what ex-United players have been getting up to. I'm joined as usual by one of my regular co-hosts and it's today Mike Booth. Mike, how's it going mate? Yeah, it's good, all right. Uh, I mean, normally, sort of, you know, going into FA Cup second round weekend, I'm like buzzing with excitement. I'm a big fan of the FA Cup, but this year it just doesn't seem the same, does it really? No, especially not without fans. And I think it's probably tempered a little bit more, isn't it, by the fact that this announcement about fans coming back, which we'll be discussing in just a minute. Mm. I think it sort of made you sort of realise just how much we've really missed fans from these opening rounds of the FA Cup. I mean, you look at Marine beating Colchester in the first round. Mm. Brilliant result, but imagine what it would be like for those Marine fans to go down to, all the way to Essex on that long yeah, journey. Exactly. But even then, I mean, obviously the FA Cup second round, it's all about getting a big draw in the third round and a big payday, but you, that, that even with fans, like 2,000 fans allowed in the ground or whatever it is, it, it's not going to be a big payday, is it, even if we get Manchester United away? It'll just be absolutely sods all that we have Man United away if we do. Oh, get definitely, through. we will. We absolutely will. nailed on. Absolutely yeah. nailed on the one year. We finally get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, just, just to sort of sum up, because you probably won't remember most of these, but the players listed there uh, at the start there all played for United and for Doncaster. There was a real rich um, tapestry to work with in terms of this this mm. week for once. Loads and loads of players have played for both clubs. I mean, Lewis Guy to name one. Ian Atkins did play for both, but he managed both clubs. Um, who else was there? Oh, there was loads. Dono Reardon. Jason uh, Price. Yeah, Bob Lee. Uh, he's, um, Chris Balderson, of course, as well, but one of the most mm. famous. Jason Price, I'd like you say. Mm. Billy Painter, probably had his best spell of his career at Doncaster. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd say Swindon was his best. Uh, well, I think he did well at both, didn't he? I think he scored mm. that goal for Doncaster, didn't he? The famous one against um, Brentford, where uh, was it Marcel Trotter missed the penalty mm. and they went right up the other end and... He plays part there, didn't he? Um, yeah, so that, that's the link there, basically. But they're all sort of a bit old. So obviously, Jack Ashurst famously had a fanzine named after him, a Cali United fanzine. Uh, ben Annick. What, what was he famous for outside of football? I can't remember. What, ben Annick. What, what, what did he do? I don't want to have to put <laughs> a uh, foul language yeah. uh, thing on this. But all I'm going to say is, if you're going to Google Ben Annick, make sure you've got your safe search set on your Google <laughs> because uh, you might see something you don't want to. Uh, Nigel Saddington, who sadly uh, passed away last year, didn't he? I think he he suffered from ME uh, towards the end of his career with us, but he was a great player. And Trevor Swinburne, a great goalkeeper, was in the 80s. So I just thought I'd mix up this week, put a few older ones in there for the uh, older listeners out there to appreciate. So there you go. Okay, let's get straight into the news then, Mike. So uh, there's only one thing we can start with uh, this week, isn't there, really? Mm. Fans back at games. Yep. Finally, we've all been keeping our fingers crossed for this, and we've got the great news on Thursday. Cumbria is in tier two, and therefore United 
can have fans back at Brunson Park for matches. Really, really good news this isn't it, Mike. It's just yeah. gives everyone a bit of a lift and both of us speaking from the from the fact that we live in Liverpool City region, so we're in tier two as well. We can actually go to the games with one two two, which is nice. Um I, I will be going up because I'm a season ticket holder, so I'm really looking forward to the Salford game in particular now. Um so we're in tier two and we're initially limited to a two K capacity. Uh, thanks to the test event we held for the South End game in September, the club is in a good position and we were able to welcome fans back for the midweek tie against Salford City next week. Full details and how this will work for season ticket holders and I think for other fans beyond those, because I think there's about an extra 200 tickets probably available, mm. uh, will come out. Uh, it's on the official website most of that, but the about tickets for other fans will be over the weekend, I think, announced. Um, just all around good news, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, with 2,000 still, it's still going to be very, very spread out. You know, mm. uh, I don't know if they'll open the waterworks even. Um, you know, not that they'd have to, I suppose, but... Um, you know, just to give that extra spreading out, but I'm sure that them 200 non-season ticket tickets are going to sell like hotcakes. Oh yeah, you'd imagine so. When you're having people are just so desperate to go to games, and um, I just, I'm just really excited about it. <laughs> it's just, mm. it's been so boring having I mean, to sit there and watch the Vantelli. And mm. I think I follow has generally been great, but nothing beats walking down Warwick Road on a midweek with the floodlights in the distance, does it really? No, no, definitely with, uh, not. With a nice uh, home and away chippy amount. <laughs> As anyone who knows me well knows that I love my home and way chippies. Mm. Um, but yeah, just 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 really good. It, it's interesting. Like I said, there the test event has been a real godsend for us here as well because we literally it's almost like flicking a switch and just saying to the safety group, right, we've made the tweaks after the the um, test event, we're ready to go here. And mm. safety safety group have gone, yep, that's fine. We can hold two thousand funds for the game. Whereas I've, I'm interesting, a, a friend of mine from who I used to work with, uh, he's a Preston. He's well, sorry, he's a He's a Wimbledon fan. He lives in Preston. Um, and he was saying how they've got to put together something like an 800-page document before they're allowed in their new ground <laughs> to mm. fans in, in a COVID-safe environment. So Jesus. it might take them a couple of games before they actually get to the stage where they can get mm. fans back in. But um, but yeah, it just shows that the work the club's doing behind the scenes, they should be applauded for it. Well done for them to do that test event and have them working away even when fans haven't been allowed to make sure it's safe when yeah. we return. So. But it's, it's worth noting as well because obviously you can only go to games if you are from a Tier 2 area as well and a lot of the North East is still Tier 3. Yeah. So a lot of our fans from up that way, well, can't yeah. go. But at the same time, how, how do you police it realistically? You know, I, I think... In terms of season ticket holders, at the very least, they know their addresses, don't they? And mm. I know there's a, I know there's at least one lad I know who lives in Yorkshire, uh, who's not going to be able to go, and he's disappointed. But I'm sure he's just happy that all the rest of us can at least go and mm. enjoy the football. And, you know, it might change in a couple of weeks. You know, Cumbria might drop into tier or move up into tier three. Mm. In that case, the fans won't be allowed in again. So mm. I'll be back to going and watching Prescott Cables instead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, great news on that. Um, hopefully, I'm hoping to do a match day special for the Salford game. Obviously, if it's in socially distanced, but I'll be catching up with Greg Bullman and Danny, hopefully, for that game. And it'd be nice to get their thoughts on what it's like to be back at Brunton Park. Uh, okay, next up, reserves in action. So the reserves, it seems to be our go-to uh, bounce game, really, doesn't it? Uh, Fleetwood Town at the moment. Mm. We seem to be playing them as often as we can. It's good to have that link, though, isn't it, I suppose, and know that we can go down there and play with excellent facility so so yeah midweek uh, on Wednesday after the midweek game against Tranmere uh, the reserves played a game at Fleetwood Town uh, the Blues ran out 2-1 winners thanks to an own goal and a strike from Josh Dixon 
as well as giving Dixon the chance to continue building up his fitness, it also provided much-needed game time for Max Hunt, Magnus Norman, Dean Furman, Taylor Charters, Jack Armour and Danny Devine, and also the first-year pros and a few of the youth team players were involved as well, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, good, Chris, good luck, well, really, yeah. Yeah, well, Chris Beach pretty much said that Josh Dixon now for him is just, you know, as in contention for a place in his squad as anyone else in terms of his fitness now, which is really good after uh, after them nasty injuries that he's, that he's had. I think he'll be in the first team by Christmas. I genuinely yeah. do. I think, I think he's shown the quality. And I think Beach has, has been, you know, not been shy about saying how good he is on the ball in terms of passing and how he's improved in terms of winning the ball back, which is a vital part of the way we play. And... I just feel, I have a feeling he, he might rest one of, I mean, he's not going to rest Guy, I mean, Mellish maybe not, but maybe Joe Riley's place would be under threat, possibly. Mm. I mean, a lot of people said, I'll bring Dean Furman in, but I think Guy and Furman really are the ones fighting for one place almost, aren't they, really? Mm. We're, we're blessed with quality in that, in that position, particularly. But as well, I mean, people who watch the youth team regularly, obviously, Branthwaite's gone now, um, and... Um, oh. Who's the other lad? I should, I should know, soon as you know. Um, Galloway? No, uh, well, Galloway went as well. And, McCarran? Um, McCarran, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, they've all sort of gone on now, but people who watch the youth team regularly said that Josh Dixon was sort of the best player of, of, of that bunch. What, what? So, you know, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to, to see how he, how he does. I don't know if you saw him, Mike. Um, John Coleman did an article about uh, Josh, uh, Josh um, Jared Branfway. Yeah, I've read that, um, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. If you've not mm. read it, go and read it. It's on the News and Star website. It's a, it's a long read, but really interesting about Jared's development. And he's not one of these players who was like, you know, like a Dempsey at the age of 13, 14 people. Like, that lad's going to go on to be a first team mm. player, and they're really impressed with him. Or even Janssen. There were some real doubts about whether he would even get a, a YTS deal, wasn't there? Yeah, saying like he, he was too nice, wasn't he? he was, you know, he didn't sort of have that sort of fierce determination that maybe you know if you've got it you make it and if you don't you don't because he, he he seems quite a sort of placid character really but you know he's uh he really knuckled down from sort of having them conversations and obviously you know he's, he's at Everton now so well, well the one thing that stands out for Michael I know we're getting a little bit off piece there I think it's worth mentioning and I, I do defend him occasionally. I think Stephen Presley deserves a lot of credit for recognising very quickly just how mm. good he was because I think he saw him for a reserve game and said straight away, let's get that lad tied down on a long contract, speaking to the lad's parents. And I think we, we, we should you know, we, we should be very grateful for the fact that Presley spotted because we mm. could have had a situation like a Dempsey where he only got a one or and then it was a two-year deal and he went on the cheap, effectively. Mm. And he spotted straight away that the lad had bags of ability and... As a result, we've got we've got a fee that's probably the reason why we're able to do so well this season in League Two. Yeah, no, definitely. But at the same time, Presley, uh, Aaron Hayden couldn't get a look in under him, could he? So, you know, no, you no. Go. But occasionally that happens to players, doesn't it? You know, one yeah. manager doesn't really rate them, and maybe not even so much you rate. Maybe maybe Hayden wasn't doing enough to get mm. in the team, and you know, he, he got his chance eventually. And in fact, he was playing a right back, really, wasn't he, when he was coming into the team, actually. Mm. People forget that. So, so yeah. Um, but, yeah, we've gone a little bit off uh, off tangent there, but I think it's was, it was worth discussing. But you're right, Dixon, I, I just think he's got this chance of getting into the team. And by all accounts, Luis Bell had another good game as well for them. And I have a feeling he might be involved towards the end of the season as well, if, you know, if mm. we're, we're doing well. So, so yeah, it, it, good good result for the, um, for the reserves there. Pleasing on that one. Uh, just a little bit of fixture news up next. So uh, 
We obviously mentioned in, pre- in the previous episode, um, United got through into the next round of the FA Youth Cup where they face Blackburn Rovers. Um, a date and kickoff time for this game has now been confirmed. It's going to be next Tuesday, the 8th of December, with a 6 pm kickoff. This game is going to be behind closed doors, though. I think it's just the cost of running something where it's got to be COVID safe that just makes it impossible to, mm. to do it. So behind closed doors, but it is going to be on the club's YouTube channel again, which is great news. Um, additionally, United's League 2 home fixture against Mansfield Town on Tuesday, 15th December, will now kick off at 7pm instead of 7.45pm. Interesting that this was announced just before, wasn't it, I think? Or was it just after the news that fans were allowed back at games? was confirmed i'm not 100 percent on that one yeah it was around the same time wasn't it yeah well in fact it was yesterday so it must have been at some point mm. yesterday so but you imagine it's one of these things that maybe had been in the in the planning a little bit longer and i know some fans have sort of said oh you know it makes it more difficult for us to get to games and stuff like that and mm. do understand that <laughs> on the flip side it makes it more difficult for me but i'll, I'll start in the same t- way i'll get back a lot sooner as well so mm. i won't sure. be getting back at midnight like i used to for midweek mm. games so that's always quite nice but yeah so that game's been moved um, but fans should be at that game which is very exciting as well uh, okay my, let's move on to uh, match review so uh, the Tramway Rovers game so it finished Tramway Rovers 1 Carl United nil, the midweek fixture on the Wirral um, not really a great night for United really was it I don't think it was a particularly dreadful performance but just never really got out of second gear did we really which not, not of the races at all um, leaves us in yeah. Sixth place on 23 points with a plus four goal difference. We're now six points behind the leaders, not Newport County, who have a game in hand, and two points behind third place, Cambridge United. Um, Tramway came to this game on a really strong run of form, and I think their confidence was very clear to see in this, wasn't there? And then they, I mean, they, they, they look like a side that you look at them and you think, why on earth have they been down there near the bottom of the start of the season? And it just shows what a poor job the previous manager, Mike Jackson, did, doesn't it, really? Because I'd argue they're probably the toughest opponent we faced this season. And mm. we, we weren't a million miles off them. They were just that little bit better on the night, weren't they? Yeah, well, you know, as well, you know, they got 65% possession. It's not easy for teams to get that much possession against us, you know, the way that we sort of, you know, chase them and, and win the ball back. Um, but this season, you know, obviously there's a lot of sort of weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. We have not we have not once managed to sort of win on the weekend, win midweek, and then win again on the weekend. We haven't done it. And, you know, it, it's sort of raised every week, isn't it? That we, I think we, we need to be rotating players because there's just the fatigue, the fatigue was, it, it was obvious in that game and it really was. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Uh... I can sort of see why, yeah, and we we will go on to this in a minute about the fact that maybe we need to be rotating things. But the manager will argue, well, sometimes as well, having a settled lineup helps players know their roles and they're, mm. they're playing well, and you can't really drop them at times. But I, I, I think we're lucky in that we've got an FA Cup game this weekend because he probably will make two or three changes. That I thought you'd imagine Dewhurst is going to come in, having not played as particularly in the midweek reserve game either, mm-hmm. that he's going to feature in this one, having played in the first round. And you, I wonder if he maybe won't change the defence, maybe armouring for Anderton at a push. But I think the rest of it might stay the same. And in midfield, he might bring Furman in for Guy, if there's any doubts over him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's get on to the talking points, as you said there, Mike. And I think tired legs is the first thing that I picked up here. And Yeah, I think for the first time in a while, we just didn't look sharp in this game, did we? We Even in games where we looked a bit tired, this one, we just looked that little second half, especially. I think first half was very evenly matched, actually probably got to say that 
they had a good chance that they probably should have scored from, but then Mellish had a good chance that their keeper made a decent save. So, yeah, I, I just think we, we're struggling to get to those second balls. And something I've noticed in recent weeks is, particularly on on set pieces, on corners, Luis Alessandro doesn't go into the box for them. What he does, he sort of lurks on the outside. Mm. And he always picks up that ball when it comes out. And whether mm. he gets the ball and plays it back to Farmer and we rebuild again, or he gets it back out to Guy on the, the wing or to someone else, to put the ball into the box. He's always there and he's always sharp and alert and ready to pick up the pieces. He just wasn't quite on it, I don't think, mm. in this game. And that, that really showed. And I mean, and uh, even... uh, uh, Well, I was just going to say, I've, I've said for a while with Alessandro, I don't know which one is sort of the dominating factor, but when he's not playing well, the team doesn't play well. Or uh, is it when the team doesn't play well, he doesn't play well? I, I think you're absolutely right there. I think when he plays well we we play well because he because mm. he links the team so well and he, and he he makes such good use of the ball he doesn't give it away much at all does he mm. he plays those intelligent balls through for the, the full backs to run onto as well and the wingers yeah I, I think it's just one of those games he just didn't have a great match did he and I think it just just caught him yeah. out a little bit so bit of a bit of a shame really that um, but yeah because I mean you look at the lineup the side you'd probably argue with Dickinson being out injured and, you know, other players not being available. It's probably the strongest team we can pick at the moment, arguably, mm. in mm. terms of best players and the best lineup that works well together. I mean, your defence and keeper pick, pick itself. We've said that already. I think Bennett has shown, even in the first couple of games, that he's probably just a little bit level above McDonald's mm. in midfield. And Guy and Mellish pick themselves well. Riley's maybe the only one you'd have a question over, maybe. Mm. Patrick could go into attack, but other than that, that's his strongest lineup, isn't it? Basically, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's maybe you have to ask questions. Is it time to freshen things up? Do you maybe bring Dixon in for the next game, possibly for for Riley, or do you bring Furman into for Guy maybe to freshen things up and give Guy a rest ahead of the Salford game? Yeah, I mean, for for me, the Salford game takes priority this season. You know, it's it's well, it's too early to be saying six pointer, but you know, it's. Uh, we're both sort of at the right end of the table, and um, I would rather we have our best players playing against Salford than uh, Doncaster, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, and I, and I think it's good for the for the fringe players as well to get a game and get a chance to you know show what they can do and mm. keep them happy as much as anything. And like I say, it isn't the major priority. It'd be great to get through to the third round, but in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather keep ourselves up pushing for a top three place. Yeah, definitely. Progressing any further in the FA Cup. At the end of the day, we've got our money from winning the first round and for being on telly in the, the other two rounds so we've made a bit of money out of it we're not going to yeah. make a huge amount more beyond that are we I'd have thought no one of those ones isn't it um, yeah okay uh, next one I, I had to bring this one up uh, in fact no we'll go into the strikers misfiring still misfiring first before we go into this other one um, it's another game where the front line struggled to make an impact. I mean, Mellish, once again, was our biggest goal for it. I think only, I think it was something like 60, 70 minutes in. I think James Phillips said that was our first player who wasn't John Mellish to have a shot in the game. Mm. Was And it's not great, that, is it, really? And mm. Coyote had a great game at the weekend, but I think he he met his match in, in Monta and um, Clark, didn't he? And two big, strong, experienced defenders who, who know the game inside out. And yeah. I think he... It's another learning curve for him, isn't it? Really, a game like that against two players like that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to forget that Coyote is still a kid as well, really. Like, yeah. so you know, sometimes experienced players, you know, they know a lot more than he does. Yeah, I think mean, we we have to keep saying this on the on the podcast. He's only twenty. 
Mm, he's still a young exactly. lad. He's you know the fact that he's played what probably pushing thirty games for us now, and he looks a big lad. He looks like he's you know an experienced player. He's not. He still is learning the game. We've got to, we've got to keep that in mind. Um, yeah. I, th- I think Patrick looked decent when he came on. I think he looked lively, and I'm just a little puzzled why we didn't use him more and get just. Uh, there's nothing wrong sometimes if a player comes on and he looks lively, thinking right, just get the ball to him at every opportunity. Don't don't well, you know yeah. ignore the ignore the right side. Alessandro can then come inside a little bit, and mm. you just say get the ball to Patrick and tell him just run at that fullback every chance you get. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, I mean, you that... get Mellish and Coyote and Alessandro into the box to challenge things. Yeah, I mean, pa- Patrick looks a different player when he comes on off the bench as to, opposed to when he's starting, and that's something that we really need to sort of get into. It's something that always frustrated me with uh, David Amu is that uh, when we had him, it, I remember. I can't remember who we were playing, but we we were playing against some team, and he had a thirty-five-year-old midfielder playing out of position at fullback, and he was on a yellow card, and we brought a on off the bench, you know, to sort of take him on down that flank, and he just he just wouldn't skin him, and it's like you know just just have a go at him, and Pat Patrick seems to sort of want to do that, but we we need to give him the service to let him do that as well. And I think Patrick's a lot better at doing that. To be fair, I think he's he's a lot yeah. more direct and he's more physical than than Amu ever was, and he and he works mm. hard. To be fair with him, um, in, in contrast, Toure he's got so much ability and so many tricks, and he he's not just about the pace, is he? He's about the ability to make the ball stick to his foot. Yeah, he can turn players inside out, and he is a joy to watch when he does it. The problem I've got is he just doesn't. He doesn't at the moment seem to have that confidence. You you look at some of the goals he scored for Hartlepool. And he's he's cutting it from the inside and pinging it in the top corner. It's brilliant, mm. and he's just not really shown the ability to do that for us yet. He yeah. Maybe he just hasn't got the confidence, and I, I don't know. I, I just I, like I, to see him I, occasionally just cut inside and just hit the thing because Patrick will do that. Patrick's mm. more than happy. The only time I've seen I've seen Toure do that recently was the, the first goal against Crawley, and mm. that was a bit of a p-roller, really, wasn't it? it? Wasn't the greatest shot mm. in the world? Keeper should have done better with it actually when you watch it back. Mm. He hasn't really looked to try and put it in the top corner, and I'd like to see him do that a bit more often. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I feel what once he does that and gets the confidence from doing that, that'll help. But also maybe having fans in the ground. I know our fans can be a negative bunch, but if he's sort of trying them things, generally speaking, our fans are sort of pleased pleased to see that. And you know, if they just give him a bit of support and say, "Oh, you know, unlucky, keep it going," kind of thing, that might just sort of give him that little boost that he needs as well. Well, the thousand fans who were in against Southend absolutely loved him and were really impressed with what he. Mm doing and his ability on the ball and I think with the 2009 the one we've watched him in those games on Eiffel and seen how he can turn a defender inside out and go past the man with ease the fans are going to love him they really are mm. and the thing is as well yeah. he's not a lazy player he gets back it's mm. some wingers don't won't track back and won't mm. won't do the defending he will get back and defend he's, he's brilliant at it fair play to him and I, mm. you know re- really want to I think fans will take him when the fans get back into the ground. They will love him for that. And I don't think Beach will, would tolerate him not putting the yeah. effort in either. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those ones that I, 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 maybe Patrick Inventory may be worth. I know he's only just come back after his suspension, but maybe it's almost like a, a kick of the backside to him say, look, you need to start being a bit more direct and a bit more positive in the way you, you're putting the ball in the box or having a go at goal and give Patrick a couple of games and we to show what he can do. I reckon Patrick will probably start in the FA Cup game. I think Torrey might be on the bench, possibly to come on later on in the game. Um, okay, so that's the strikes misfiring one. The last one, we've got to bring this one up, Mike, and it just... Oh, baffling rules. I, I don't get this. I really... 
I'm puzzled as to why it's coming. So obviously, we can't talk about this game without focusing on the ridiculous rule that seems to be in place regarding match balls. So anyone who watched on the iPhone or even listened to James Phillips' commentary will understand that there seems to be some sort of directive to referees that you must use the match ball that went out of play as much as possible in the games. But with you know very few ball boys around the ground at games, it's slowing the game down so much because players have to go into the stands and or run mm. down the touchline. The ball like goes out of play on the halfway line, but goes right down the touchline to the corner flag. Mm. Does your keeper then have to run over to the corner into the, almost into the stand to get it to throw back down the line, or can you not pick up the ball off one of those cones on around the edge of the pitch? Why mm. not just do that and then leave the ball boys to go and fetch the balls and put them back on the? They can then clean the balls. And carry on with the game for some reason. Mm. It, it doesn't seem to be every game. Some referees seem a bit more relaxed about. It. Some referees are just proper little. Uh, I'm trying to be <laughs> careful of my words here. Just uh, pro- proper little snotty little officials who just like, oh, you must you must show us the ball that uh, went out. You can't pick up the one that's uh, yeah. right by you. Or, I mean, towards the end of the game, he was being a little bit looser. But I mean, it, it all came to a bit of a head, didn't it? Where our players have been trying to use the balls around the pitch, but then. The, the referee kept saying to him, no, you've got to use the ball that's gone out. So they started doing that. And then the ball went out in the stand where the camera is. It's a small stand alongside the road, isn't it? Mm. Um, so it went out on that stand. And there was a ball nearby. And Tanner sort of looked to it and thought, oh, I've got to go for the ball in the stand. Now, a ball boy was nearby and he picked it up and he had the squirty stuff to clean it. And Tanner was like, standing like, just give me the ball. And the bloke just wouldn't do it. He was refusing mm. to. And he started mouthing off at Tanner. And Tanner was like, what, what am I supposed, you're telling me to use the ball that's in the stand to use as much as possible. There's a ball next to me. Yeah, but you're telling me not to use them. That's why I'm mm. waiting to get it. And this bloke was just being a proper arse about it, wasn't he? He was, yeah. I don't, it, you know what? It just ruins the game. I don't pay £10 to watch, you know, players trotting down the line to pick up a ball <laughs> no. for like good three or four minutes of it at least. But at the same time, I feel this is a home advantage thing, isn't it? And if Tranmere were losing 1-0, then, you know, they'd be trying to get the ball back moving as quickly as possible. And But it's the referees that are directing it, isn't it? They're the ones who are deciding it. Yeah, but it's it's whoever, I mean, I say ball boy, ball man, whatever it was at the mm. side of the pitch. Um, I don't know I don't know who they are, like where, where they come from. Or, but this know. is the thing. If, if that, that, basically, I think it's just like, stewards essentially doing it mm. but if that ball lands there in that stand I can't believe we're dedicating a few minutes to this but here you go <laughs> if that ball lands in the stand there and that steward's not there he's further down the stand maybe he's not nearby to it mm. and Tanner goes to pick up the ball by the side of the pitch the referee would go no go and fetch the ball it's in the stand he would mm. but just because the bloke held on to it picked it up even though he's got the stuff the, the disinfectant to spray the ball which he could have done quickly and passed it back it was. It's just. It's. It, it's pathetic, and I know I shouldn't really get wound up about it, but yeah. it just it ruins the game as a spectacle for me. And, and you know, because fans aren't there and having to pay to watch it on on the internet, they should be doing everything possible to make the game flow a lot better. Mm. They really should. Mm. No, definitely. But as well, you know, if players are having to sort of run into the stand to get the, get the ball, you know what it's like, sort of running on concrete with studs on. Yeah, you know, it's you don't not. Want that. It's not. It's not. It's not easy. And a, a player could slip and hurt himself as well. You know, but. It's silly, go. isn't it? It's silly. Mm. Uh, I might, I might write a strongly worded email to the <laughs> to the football league and find out. I did that. What once. are you playing? Yeah, you, you, I know exactly what kind of response I'm going to get. <laughs> the template one, probably. Um, yeah. 
Anything else you want to discuss from the Tramway game, Mike? I don't think there's much to discuss, really. Is no, it? Just wasn't it was, a great yeah. game, was it? No, I mean, it's one of them as well. We had a sort of half decent chance in the first half. I don't know if it was saved or it hit the post. Yeah, it was, I think it was the militia one, wasn't it? It was a good hit. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of them. If we go 1 0 up, then could it be a different game? You know, yeah. uh, we're not going to beat ourselves up over it. I think Taylor Blackett looked very impressive for them. I don't think we'll face many players as good as him this season. He no, looks I, mean, I mean, that goal, that was what we were saying we want Torre to do, basically, yeah. wasn't it? Just cut in from the left and curl it into the top corner it was a little bit too easy I think Tanner could have done a little bit better with that I think to be yeah. honest I think he's beaten a bit too easily you know praise him at the weekend for the way he played against Crawley you've got to then pick up and say oh, he needs to do a little bit better than that mm. maybe he needs a bit more support as well from his midfield and his wingers yeah. um, also I've got to ask you Mike do you think that shot crossed the line the Farman one I didn't I, think it did I, I didn't that. think either I think a lot of people say, oh, it definitely crossed the line. But if you watch it, he's a good two or three yards off his line when he makes a save. Mm. But he doesn't bounce miles behind him. So I think he's just about kept in. I think as much as people say all the lines when wasn't up with it, he will have been he wouldn't have been that far away from it. Mm. But I think he I think he's he's got a good sight of that and knows it hasn't crossed the but line. But again with fans in the ground, I think was that at their sort of cop end as well? Yeah. Yeah. You know, could Maybe that have been, been given? You know? it, it could well have been, could well have been. It's mm. one of those ones, isn't it? And yeah, I think you could probably say as well, maybe Hayden didn't have his best game as well. I think he was just trying a little bit too much at times. And maybe, I know he, he's got the ability to run with the ball and bring it forward. I think sometimes he just needs to rein it in a little bit and just give mm. it to Callum Guy. Callum Guy will get us going again and then he'll pick out Alessandro. And, you know, we flow a lot better in that way. I mean, that's the way it is. Okay, Mike, I think that's uh, the end of part one of the episode. Um, after the break, we'll be looking ahead to the midweek FA Cup tie. Sorry, not weekend FA Cup tie even. Against League One side, Doncaster Rovers. We'll be back in just a second. Okay, welcome back everyone. We're back for part two now where we're going to be looking ahead to the weekend game against Doncaster Rovers, League One side in the FA Cup. Um, that that halfway sound clip I used there, Mike, I've used it too much now, I think. I've got <laughs> I've got an idea though. I've got an idea in my head I'm going to try out over the next few weeks, try and get it sorted. It'll be a nice little surprise for you. So okay. I'll see if I can see if I can get that done. Surprise for everyone. Um, so yeah, um, FA Cup action this weekend. Little break from the league. Um, probably welcomed after the midweek defeat um, and we face Doncaster Rovers in the FA Cup second round at Brundle Park it's on Sunday it's a half one kickoff. it's once again on the iPlayer <laughs> just hopefully this time it works that's, that's what we're praying for isn't it after the, mm. the farce that was the um, yeah. Hazen Yedding game and I, like I said to Dan for I, I think that's probably more down to the facilities at Hazen Yedding's ground they wouldn't have had super fast broadband which I know they do have at Carlisle because obviously they need it for the iFollow stream so so yeah, I think we should be fine. Oh, Fingers you've crossed. Said it now. Touch, touch wood. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've. Uh, pretty it. sure because the, the last time we were talking about this, you were saying that no, I follow has generally been superior to uh, this BBC <laughs> yeah, coverage, that went well. and then yeah, that that went to pot. So there we go. Yeah, that was a bit of a farce that one, wasn't it, for the Cheltenham game? Yeah. Okay, uh, Doncaster Rovers. Let's run down some interesting facts then Mike so uh, Rovers were formed in 1879 quite an old club actually uh, after Albert, Jekin, Albert Jenkins a fitter at Doncaster LNER Engineering Works the plant got a team together to play the Deaf and Dumb Institute after the game they decided to set up a football club and Rovers was formed uh, they joined the league in 1901 before United even formed 
Um, they were invited to replace New Brighton Tower. Now, just to sort of clear things up here, because we've talked about New Brighton a bit recently, haven't we, on this programme? Mm. Quite an interesting club. Um, New Brighton Tower were the club that existed before the other New Brighton that were in the league, that United played in the league. So New Brighton Tower were one of the first clubs in the Football League. Um, they were named that because, like Blackpool, New Brighton used to have a, a big tower. And the ground was right next to it. It's quite an, some interesting photos. I'll, I'll try and dig them out and put them on Twitter mm. for everyone. Really interesting club they were. Um, they actually, they, they, I think baseball was played there as well at the ground. They had a baseball team there. So quite an interesting little setup there. But anyway, that's New Brighton. We're not talking about them. We're talking about Doncaster <laughs> Rovers here. So uh, traditionally, they wear red and white hoops. Although they've had a sort of mix of uh, all you know white kits and all red kits. And I think in the early years, they had navy, and, navy blue and yellow quite similar to what United had when they were Shaddingate United in the early days. Mm. Um, they've had a few unusual players play for them down the year. So comedian Charlie Williams played for the club from 1948 to 59. And former owner, John Ryan, who saved the club from, helped save the club from ruin even, um, put himself on the bench for a game in the conference and was brought on as a late substitute at the age of 52. I think they it was basically right at the end of the season and they'd already qualified for the playoffs. And I think the game they were playing against might have been Hereford or something like that. I don't think there was anything riding on it at all. I think both clubs couldn't really change position or have any really effect. So they basically put him on. And at the age of 52, I think he went into the Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest player in the English League or something like that. Um, Mm. Because I don't think he's the oldest professional footballer in the world now. Because that is a a fella, you you might want to look him up, called King Kazoo. Um, I can't remember... That's not his actual name, but it's his nickname. And he plays in a, in Japan in the second division. Yeah, yeah, he's like 50-odd, isn't he? 52, 53, yeah. I think he might be. He's incredible. Like, you look at him, the shape is in. Oh, I'd have him up front for United. <laughs> no, well, we might struggle with the pressing, maybe, that we that we play now, but there you go. So, yeah, some unusual players. Their FA Cup record, um, not as good as United. So United have made it to the sixth round before. Uh, the best that Rovers have managed is the fifth round. But it was quite a successful spell. It was in 1952, 54, 55 and 56. They managed to make it to the fifth round of the competition. Um, this is interesting. I mean, they've been a club who's had quite a few issues down the years, haven't they, in terms of mm. owners. Um, all came to a head in 1995 where a fire caused serious damage to the main stand at their former Bellevue ground. The police soon arrested two people after a mobile phone was found at the scene. Both people were charged with arson, but then later, the club's then owner, Ken Richardson, was charged with conspiracy to commit arson and found guilty and was sentenced to four years in prison. Tried to burn down the main stand for, for insurance purposes, mm. by all accounts. Quite incredible. Really. They, they, they had, I think they, they ended up getting relegated about three, two, three years after that, possibly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they, they went out of the football league. They had to sort of build themselves back up, um, get back into the league. And, I mean, since then, they've sort of just bounced about, haven't they, really, between... Mm mostly between League One and the Championship. They dropped down to League Two again, didn't they? I think a couple of years ago, but they went straight back up, I think, in the first attempt. Yeah. In the season where we missed out on the playoffs, didn't we? Yeah, they're just a good, solid football league. You think of Doncaster, you think of them as a football league, don't they? Yeah, there's a lot, And there's a lot of parallels between United and, and Doncaster, actually, because both towns are quite famous for the fact that they're, they're railway towns. They're, they're meeting points of, of different railways, and they're... Doncaster was obviously on the original East Coast main line, um, still are now, uh, and obviously United on the West Coast line. Um, yeah, and they're, they're just a club down the years. They've never had major success until... Pro- You'd argue, actually, the last 10, 20 years have probably been one of the most successful spells in the club's history in terms mm-hmm. of being in the championship for long periods as well. Um, 
Yeah, okay. But, but also another parallel, if we want to just sort of seamlessly yeah. go on to this next bit, is, you know, both teams have members of slightly famous boy bands as famous supporters. There you go, that's a... Okay, I'm going to challenge you on this one, right? 911 are not the same as One Direction. <laughs> Ooh, debatable. I apologise to Luke Brennan <laughs> if he's listening to this. But I think I think One Direction has done a little bit better than 911 did. Um, oh, see, obviously, you, you've touched on it there. So celebrity fans, so the, the most famous Doncaster one's got to be Louis Tomlinson, the singer from One Direction, who's a huge Rovers fan. And he's actually played for their reserve team, hasn't he? I think it was a... Mm. They played a reserve game. They, they got like a massive crowd, obviously... Teenage girls basically go and want to watch Louis Tomlinson in a pair of shorts. But, um, well, he was on their books as a youth player as well. Yeah, quite a young one, wasn't he? I think mm. like before the age of 16, wasn't he? It wasn't mm. white yeah, or something yeah. like that. But, um, but yes, he's the most famous Rovers fan out there. Paul Daniels was also reportedly supported, as is Tony Christie of Amarillo fame. Um, quite quite a mixed bunch there. Not, not as good as the Tranmere ones, I don't think. I think <laughs> the, it'll take a lot this season, I think, to, to top the Tranmere famous fans one, I think. Well, yeah. Let's get Man United in the next round. We'll have plenty to pick from then. Uh, Mick Huckner will be in the pick there, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, head-to-head record. It, about as balanced as you can get. So, we've won 42 games against Doncaster. We've lost 23. And 17 games have been drawn. So, pretty much as, as balanced as, as possible. We played against um, Doncaster in the first ever Football League season. In fact, we played against them in the FA Cup in 1927 before... We draw, in fact, no, you did the first season we were in the football. No, wait. Sorry, I'm trying to work this out in my head here now. November 1927, we will not have been in the football league, correct? Okay, so yeah, we played against them in November 1927 in the FA Cup and we beat them too. Once so that would have been a jankling at the time because mm. they were a football league side. Um, but yeah, down the years, we've, you know, we've been playing them for quite a while. Our record is actually pretty good. I think since 1991, we've only lost four games against them and won pretty much the majority of the rest. Yeah, I, th- I can think just off the top of my head quite a few sort of memorable victories that we've had because we had uh, obviously the first game of the season in, in League um, One, yeah, in League One, uh, one beat them one nil. And funnily enough, um, James Coppinger was playing for them that day, and he still plays for them today. Astonishing, years we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll thirty nine years. We'll get on to him in a minute because he's mm. a, a proper force of nature, isn't he? Really, yeah. Quite an incredible we had, story. We had, we had that game as well. Same season away. Uh, I don't think they'd lost there or ever, had they? T- two of the best goals you'll ever yeah, see. Yeah. Well. I mean, mm. Jeff Smith scored an absolute belt in this game. And then Carl Hall is like, I can't remember which way around it was, but one one of the other was like, right, I'm not being outdone by mm. that. And Carl Hall is, when you watch the camera angle of it, the bend he gets on the shot. Yeah, yeah. Go and search it. I think it's on Jeff, uh, Jeff um, Jackson's YouTube page. I think you can see it there. It is a brilliant, brilliant goal. But yeah, in, in recent years, we've generally got a good record against them, to be fair. Um, I think famously as well, um, we, we, I think, was it, uh, oh, I'm trying to think. No, in fact, we lost this game. Sorry, I thought we drew it, but as well as that, I remember Dave Simington's free kick against them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, an absolute belt. He's got a couple of belts that season, one against Scunthorpe as well. One of, one of, one of my favourite games, actually, was we played them away, uh, and this was when Greg Abbott was in charge, and we had that season where we sort of fought relegation a bit, signed Sean O'Hanlon and survived. And um, I put five quid on Liam Noble, first goal scorer at 16-1. to 1. 
Five quid on Liam Noble, last goal scorer at 16 to 1, and he scored, scored both, both goals, he? and we won 2 0. So yeah, was... I remember that one. I remember yeah. very... It's one of the few grounds I've not been to. It's quite annoying, really, because it's not that far away, but it just it, the games have never fallen nicely for me to be able to go to them. So just sods law with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so last time we played, as you mentioned there, we, we last played them in a. In League Two, in the season we made the playoffs, but they went up automatically. We played them on Valentine's Day. It was a midweek fixture, and we won two-one thanks to goals from Nicky Adams and an own goal from Niall Mason. Tommy Rose scored a 90th minute consolation for them. I think Adams's goal was a particularly good one, one as well, wasn't it? I think it was like a like a right foot volley at the far post, something like that. I think from a cross. I think so. Can't can't remember exactly, but I mean, mm. looking back at the lineup for that game, so you had Mark Gillespie and Nets. Um, I'm guessing, looking at it, Gary Liddell was playing at right-back. Your centre-backs were Reigns and Brisley. Left-back, Macaulay Gillespie. Midfield of um, Jones, Joyce, um, Lamb, Adams and O'Sullivan. And uh, up front, you had Jamie Proctor. Um, subs coming on. Jamie Devitt came on for John O'Sullivan. Jabo Obire came on for Proctor. And James Bailey, <laughs> whatever happened to him, came in the 90th mm. minute for Adams. So... Mm. Quite, quite a mixed bunch, really, in terms of uh, the team there. Once again, James Coppinger was playing for them. I don't think there's a game where he ever played against us. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah a fact, no, in fact, it wasn't. I thought that might have been the famous game where Morgan Bacon managed to get himself booked without <laughs> actually having played a game for us. Um, yeah, so that was the last time out we played them. Um, good win, that was. Uh, let's talk about what Dunkers have been getting up to this season so far. So, Points-wise, they're performing at a very similar level to us, but obviously in League One, aren't they? I mean, Mm. they played a couple of games less, but they currently have 21 points from 12 games, which which leads them in 10th place in League One. Um, I mean, you look at above them and Hull are running away at the moment, aren't they? They're they're in fantastic form. Peterborough, as you expect, right up there, and Lincoln as well. Portsmouth, Ipswich, Charlton, Fleetwood, Sunderland, and surprisingly, Accrington just above them as well. So... Really, considering the squad they've got and the teams that are above us, that above them, sorry, they're doing pretty well, aren't they? Actually, mm. in the grand yeah. scheme of things, it's decent form for them. Um, last time out, they played against Blackpool in the league, and they had a dramatic late comeback in that game, didn't they? They, I think they were looking. They were they were two nil down, and they they came back to win three two with mm. a seventy six minute penalty, giving the win. Um, we won't touch on the goal scorers there because there's a couple of ex blues that we're going to be mentioning later on in the episode um so they're coming to the game on form that's, that's pretty average really isn't it they have the last six mm. games two wins two draws two losses not too dissimilar really to united again mm. but obviously at a, a higher level than us um their manager is darren moore who's one of the few black managers in the efl um moore is a former rovers player who took over the manager's job at the keep stadium in july 2019 after Cramp, grant mccann left to take over at hull he's doing a pretty good job at hull now uh, did an okay job at West Brom, I thought, actually, you know, in terms of, I think they went down, didn't they? But they were really impressed with the, the way he sort of started to turn things around. And then mm. the season in the championship, they were favourites to go up. And they were still up there. They were, I think they were fourth place in the playoffs and doing okay. But they just decided that, I think the home performances weren't particularly brilliant. And he was given the sack. And I think James, James Shan or something like that took over yeah, the rest of the right. season. Um, they lost out in the playoffs to Aston Villa. And then uh, Slavon Bilic came in and obviously got them up last season automatically. Um, mm. Yeah, he, he, he seems like a good, fairly young manager, isn't he? And he seems to be doing an okay job there. 
in terms of the way he sort of last season they finished about 10 for 12 I think it was I can't remember exactly um, done okay they've got a decent League One standard squad I mean the name one of the names stand out there Andy Butler's been around the block hasn't he yeah for I think a while. He's, he's about 37 now I think he's 37 yes he is yeah um, just looking down the. Let's get on to him then. J- James Coppinger. He is a force of nature, isn't he, in terms of yeah. the way he keeps going? He's their record, record appearance holder now. Um, started out in Newcastle. One of those players down the years you would have thought, if we weren't such an absolute shambles at the end of the uh, century, we probably would have been signing him on loan. Instead, he actually went to Hartlepool for mm. a bit, didn't he, after he left them and had a spell at Exeter and then joined Doncaster. Um, way back in, let me check it, 2004. Um, had eight years there, went and spent um short spell at, on loan at Nottingham Forest, came back to Doncaster. And yeah, he's, he's been there for pretty much 16 years, solid, hasn't he? he made 600 appearances. Yeah. And he still, I think he, I can't remember exactly, but I think he's got a record of scoring in every one of those seasons, possibly. Not 100% on that. I don't know. But yeah, it's, uh, t- to be still going at 39 is really impressive. But he never sort of... Uh... Depended on pace, did he? Sort of quite a little wily, almost like yeah. a Lewis Alessandra type player. That sort of, you know, is is more sort of. Yeah, he's not a cross between him and Nicky Adams, isn't he? He's not. Yeah. Burst of pace, but he's got a bit of trick, and he's got a great ability to put a good ball on the box as well. He's, yeah. He's a brilliant player, and you know the fact that he's still going now is just a real testament to the, the shape he's kept himself in. Mm. And it sounds ridiculous, but he's probably just he's one to watch at the weekend. He's one to keep an eye out for, really, because he's he's probably just as much their biggest threat now as he was back then. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting how much they rotate as as much as us because I'm sure that, you know, while we're saying that we're not that bothered and would the midweek game's more important, they may well be of the same mentality. Yeah, I think Ben Whiteman's their captain. I think he's another key player for them. And Brad Halliday's been around the block, so he's a good right-back. He was at Middlesbrough, was he, I think? Name rings the bell? Not sure. 100% on that one. Again, I think he's another one of those ones who... Surprised we haven't signed at some point. In terms of former United players, there's two in defence. Um, there's Tom Anderson, centre back. You might remember him at a short loan spell from yeah. Burnley, and even shorter loan spell was Reese James. Um, I think he played one league game and one cup game. I think he got a bad injury, didn't he, against um, Blackburn yeah. in the cup, and then went back to Man United after his short loan spell. Um, quite a settled player now for Doncaster. I think he's playing quite regularly for them. He actually scored at the weekend. We'll, we'll get on to again for that in the X Files in a short while. Um, yeah, so that's that's the way their their squad's made up. It's not not as many experienced players as they have done in the past. But you look along that with Josh Sims, ex Southampton. He's a good player, isn't he? Mm. He's one that's quite highly rated. I'm not sure if he's on loan. I think he's signed permanently for them. I'm not 100 percent on that one. Um, Hard to tell. I'm just looking through the squad list here, so I'm try- trying to guess. <laughs> but it's, uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, United team news. Let's get onto that then, Mike. Rod McDonald remains out with a groin injury picked up in training. Uh, Callum Guy is a possible doubt for this, isn't it? Beach mentioned this today. The fact that mm-hmm. the guy picked a knock when I think he was jumping for a high ball and landed quite awkwardly uh, in the in the game against Tranmere. I do wonder, even if he is fit, you might just look at it and think, is it worth the risk of aggravating something? Yeah. You know, he, he's such an important player to us. Dean Furman, you know, he's not he's pretty much the same level as him. So just drop mm. Furman in, give him his game time. 
And you can always bring Guy on if you really need to, can't you? Yeah, exactly. And it'll keep the South African fans on Twitter happy that uh, Dean Furman's getting a go. Nick's bunch them, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Um, Conor Malley, Brennan Dickinson and Ethan Walker all still out with uh, longer-term injuries. It looks like Conor Malley could be another few more weeks before his foot injury heals. Uh, Josh Dixon, as you mentioned before, is now considered fit enough to be considered for first-team squad in all league games as well and of the FA Cup. So I wonder if he might even drop him in for this one for Joe Riley, maybe. Give him mm. a run-out, maybe give Riley a little rest as well. Because, I mean, yeah. if you get Riley's had a long-term injury and he's just had a good long run of Saturday-Tuesday games now, hasn't he? So mm. it might be nice just to see how uh, Dixon fits in this game. I mean, especially as well, you're playing against high-division teams. It might give him a little bit more time on the ball, possibly. Maybe not as physical. So Yeah, I mean, Don- Doncaster as well, they wouldn't be able to sort of scout Dixon. They, they wouldn't know him from Adam, really, would they? So, I mean, they've got all, you know, the, um, the, the, the Y scout things these days and stuff like that, mm. but there won't be much footage of him because he hasn't played no, in games. So exactly. It's one of those ones, isn't it? Uh, okay, Doncaster team news. Um, I've got the, the joke button ready here, Mike, because I know exactly <laughs> what you're about to do in a minute. Um so they've got a little bit of a goalkeeper crisis going on at the moment, haven't they? Um, so at the start of the season, they had a keeper on loan from Stoke City. He got recalled um, quite recently. Um, so they've signed a keeper on loan from QPR called Joe Lumley. Um, and the way emergency goalkeeper rules work now, you can't say we're going to have him for a month or something like that. It's a seven-day period, isn't it? I've just, I was just reading about this beforehand. Mm. So they have to do it every seven days. They have to renew it and say, yep, we've only got one of a keeper fit. We need that keeper. So they basically have to, every seven days, renew that loan. So every seven days, that's what they're doing at the moment. But I think they've got a deal in place with QPR. I said, you can have him until January, but we'll just keep renewing it every seven days just to be sure. Um, I'm sure they'll be able to find a keeper from somewhere else as well if they really needed to. I mean, well, I'll get out of the way and say that Joe Lumley's an absolutely fabulous signing. But um, no, it, it's, it seems a bit of a weird rule, that, because it, it seems teams might be reluctant to give sort of youth players a pro contract because they'd say, no, you've got a professional goalkeeper. You've, you've got to play him. I don't know. But... It's one of those ones, isn't it? I think they've only got one of a keeper. I think he's one who came up for their, through their ranks. Mm. I think he's had a couple of loan spells at Gainsborough and Yeovil. It's Louis, Louis Jones mm. um, or Louis Jones. Um, so, yeah, so he's likely to feature against us, uh, Joe Lumley. Um, Tyrese, John Jules and Magga Gomez could both make their return to injury in this game, having missed the midweek game against Blackpool. Uh, but John Taylor remains unavailable due to injury. Uh, predictions then, Mike. Come on, let's have yours. I'm going to go for 2-2 and we'll win on pens. Mm. Penalty shootout win. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, to, to be honest, you know, I know you want to ask me who I think is going to score, but I don't know who's going to play, to be honest. So it, it's, you know, I can't I can't predict it. No, you're not shitting out of that one. Come on. Who's, who's scoring? <laughs> um, I'll say... Uh, I'll say... Uh, Torre and Dixon, why not? Ooh, very nice. Nice to hear Josh's name in there. Um, you know what? I'm going to go for the same. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Mm. <laughs> it is a rarity. 2-2 draw and we're going to win on pens. I'm, I'm 100% behind that. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think it's two teams that will have a good go at it. Um, with second string players, you know, out there with something to, to prove. Goal scorers. Um, I really wanted to pick Josh Dixon. I don't want to pick the same as you. It's annoying. <laughs> um 
I think Amari Patrick's going to score because I think he'll play. Um, and why not? Aaron Hayden with a header from a corner. That's what I fancy. Um, so yeah, there you go. We're both going with two two draws. Might put some money on it, like I did with that Cheltenham one. Well, yeah, didn't, didn't, uh... didn't win anything in midweek. I, hopelessly wrong with most all my predictions for that one. So that's where it is. Uh, okay, let's move on to the X Files section then, Mike. So uh, we're looking at what former United players and coaches have been getting up to across the world. Uh, so goals is what we always start off with generally on this one. Um, plenty of midweek goals, isn't there? And uh, quite an yeah. uh, eclectic bunch, really. Uh, Kyle Dempsey scored for Gillingham. I think that's his first goal for them, I think, possibly. Yeah, um, I haven't seen him score any others, no. but he may well have done. Nice, nice to see him on the score sheet. Uh, here's a blast, another one you know we might not have heard of from, for a while. George Glendon scored for Chester. Wasn't he off in like some mad foreign league for a bit? Or did I imagine that? Um, oh, did he go to Holland? Let me just double check on that one. I have a feeling he might have played in Holland for a short while after he left us. He might be right on that. Let's see what it says on the old internet. Um, I think he might have had a trial because he's, he's not shown that he uh, okay. played in Holland. I think he went over somewhere and had a little trial in Holland. So there you go. Um, who else has scored? Oh, my, my tablet's now frozen. Uh, Jerry Yates scored again for Blackpool in that game against Doncaster. Um, Reese James scored in that Doncaster game as well. And Jerry Yates is on a really good run of form, isn't he? And him and yeah. Medine just seem to have a really Medine, good partnership. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's nice to see Gary doing well for himself. Um, Cole Stockton got a goal for Morecambe. And uh, the most impressive of lot, saved the best of last, Ryan Bowman scored his first career hat-trick in uh, Exeter's free, uh, 6-1 win against Colchester. They absolutely battered Colchester, didn't they? Because there's only a couple of places between them for this, before this game, wasn't there? Mm. Yeah. Quite quite mm. impressive there from uh, Bowman. A little bit of transfer news as well, Mike. So, uh, Joe Garner is set to leave Wigan. He's set for a move to the Indian Super League to join East Bengal under new manager Robbie Fowler. I can't imagine all the, the fun that Joe Garner's going to get to over there, can you? <laughs> But, it, it seems like a, a mental move, to be honest. But I, I think know. it. I think it's a money move, isn't it? Really. Yeah, I think yeah. it's one of the. From what I can gather, the, the the Indian Super League, the football one they have over there, obviously it's not on the same money terms as like the IPL, the cricket one, which you know they get paid astonishing mm. amounts for like six, seven weeks' work, something like that. I think it's similar sort of scale, though. I think in terms of the players go over there, it's a short-term contract. You play for this, the club. You earn a, a nice wedge of money, and then you come back. Basically, I think. I think Daryl Duffy was over there, wasn't he? I think playing for a short while. Mm. I think he might have played in the, the proper was, yeah. league, possibly. I'm not 100 percent on that one. Mm. But I think he he quite enjoyed his time over there. I think he moves his family over for a short while. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Robbie Fowler's moved there because obviously he was in charge of Brisbane Raw, where mm. um, Tom Aldred and Macaulay Gillespie were playing. Mm. Um, it's interesting that he's moved there. Uh, the last bit is a bit of a sort of coaching news: is that Tony Cage former United keeper, uh, goalkeeping coach, and I suppose you say he's a legend, really. I think he gets a little bit overlooked sometimes, played over 200 games for us, so uh, mm. nice, nice to always uh, give Tony a mention. So Tony Cage has been named as one of the caretaker managers at Livingston after Gary Holt's resignation. I just hope it goes a bit better for him than it did when he was caretaker manager with Paul Furwell. Uh, United oh, yeah. for that short period, but yeah. So yeah, nice to see Tony getting uh, into uh, management, albeit briefly, probably. Um and that's it, I think, in terms of the X-Files and the ZFLs to pick up there, Mike. So that's uh, pretty much it for this week. Thanks once yeah, again for joining so. me. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Um, no update on the specials. Me and Dan haven't been able to co- correlate our uh, sort of um, t- 
time frames and all that sort of stuff to, to record the kit special. It's written. It's ready to go. <laughs> it's just a case of sitting down and recording. And again, I just don't have the time to finish off doing the 0506 one. I might do it as a little Christmas treat, maybe. Maybe that would be a good <laughs> idea, you know. Yeah. Put it over Christmas. Because it's going to be a busy period, and I'm not sure we'll have time to record all the podcasts every time. Well, if we do, we might just do mini episodes, possibly reviewing games and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, if there's anything else you'd uh, like us to discuss, if you think there's anything, you know, maybe to... Because we often find that with the news section, there's not always huge amounts to talk about, is there, in terms of we play midweek games, so stuff gets covered in one episode, but then the next episode, it's very quiet. So if there's any sort of big talking points you think it might be worth us discussing, we're always happy to, to, to look at them. So give us a shout out on Twitter at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com or on the message board, we're always in there as well. And obviously the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group is really positive, active group. That is it. I think it's just hit a thousand members, was it, the other day, Mike? Yeah. I, think I saw so. that. It's great. There's always pictures of players and players' birthdays are discussed there. and <clears throat> Sorry, great games that we've played and videos from matches. It, it's fantastic group, really worth getting involved in. But we're always in there as well, always asking for, for content and people, you know, what they want us to discuss. So give us a shout out on there if you can. Um, if you haven't already, remember the fact that you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps. Just search for Brunton Bugle and you'll find it there. Spotify, Acast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. It's all on there. And if you can go on those podcast apps as well and give us a, a review as well for the podcast, we really do appreciate it. Five star reviews will be brilliant. Thank you very much for everyone who does that. And thank you to everyone who pointed out uh, the Half Man Half Biscuit references I managed to slip into the last episode. You haven't listened to it yet. I think I got 10 in total. Some of them are very <laughs> discreet. For instance, Let's Not, I said at one point, which is the name of a Half Man Half, Man, Half Biscuit song, and people might not have spotted that one. So there you go. Should we go into the map, Mike? Yeah. Because a new country has entered the game. Oh. They only entered the other day. Let me just uh, load it up. I couldn't, because what it shows is a map where all the countries where people are listening are highlighted in colours, but then there's a list below. And sometimes you can miss some of them because they're very small countries. Yeah, and one of those yeah. very small countries is Bahrain. Oh. So we've moved from Saudi Arabia to, where, hey, where all the oil money is. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I just suspect it's probably either someone on, on holiday or an oil worker out there. Who's going on holiday to Bahrain at this in these times? Someone with a bit of cash. <laughs> well, if they want to throw yeah. a bit of cash towards the podcast or towards the football club, you know, g- give him a shout. I'm sure the people yeah. want, want us to get involved. I'm just going to double check where our listener in Germany is still is. Oh, it's up in the up in the north northern coast, Bremerhaven, is oh. uh, where they're listening. So it's not bit a bit of a commute for Thomas Muller to get to yeah, training exactly. from there, but you know, yeah, good lad, good lad. Um, that's it, Mike. I think for this episode. So I think we'll be back to preview the uh, Salford game. Maybe I'll probably keep that one a little bit of a shorter episode, maybe, because I'm hoping to do one for the Salford game. In terms of previewing the game after that in the league, it might be a bit different how we do it. I'm going to try and do a match day episode for the Salford Mm. one uh, and get that out as soon as I can after that game. Um, So it's going to be a busy week. So the specials might have to wait a little bit longer because the next couple of weeks are going to be busy once again. But, um, yeah, thanks once again for joining, Mike. Really do appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, up the blues. That's all.